The presenting sponsor of Behind the Beak is Down in Front Productions. DIFP is a video production company located in Birmingham, Alabama that strives to provide high-quality video services for your business or event at very competitive prices with a personal approach. They specialize in sporting events, weddings, and business videography, but also provide recording and video editing work for other events such as seminars, commercials, and concerts. Give Dustin and the crew a call at 205-588-0868 or visit them at difpbham.com. That's difpbham.com to see how they can help you. Down in Front Productions, the presenting sponsor of Behind the Beat. Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Now, here's your host, Tyler Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. I'm Tyler Brown, and this is episode number 30 of the series. If you liked the Eli Jenkins episode from a few weeks back, when we revisited football's 2015 win over Chattanooga in the FCS playoffs, I think you'll really like this week's installment. Later in the pod, I'm going to be talking with former Gamecock point guard Malcolm Drumright, and we're going to reminisce over basketball's 2017 win over number one seeded Belmont in the semifinals of the OVC Basketball Championships, which eventually led to JSU winning its first Division I conference basketball tournament and its first appearance in March Madness. That interview in just a bit, but first, a few housekeeping notes and some news. If you missed the last episode, I talked with football assistant coach Max Thurman about his return to the Jacksonville State sidelines. A former student athlete and assistant coach, Thurman spent a little less than a decade away from his alma mater for various coaching stops, but he's back this season to coach the Gamecocks outside linebackers and special teams unit. If you want to go give it a listen, all previous episodes of the podcast can be streamed at jsugamecocksports.com slash podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. Also, a quick reminder that masks are and will continue to be required for all faculty, staff, students, and visitors throughout the JSU campus. Masks should always be worn properly and will be required indoors as well as outdoors when social distancing cannot be maintained. Signage has been placed in all buildings and areas indicating the mask requirement. Students and families are also required to wear masks when visiting campus for tours and or attending orientation this summer. Please do your part in helping stop the spread of COVID-19. Please wear a mask. And in JSU Athletics news, the women's tennis team announced the addition of three student athletes to its roster for the upcoming season. Carolina Bulatovic, a senior from Texas A&M Corpus Christi, and a pair of freshmen in Charlie Cruteau and Martina Zarza. Bulatovic hails from Germany, Cruteau from Blainville, Quebec, and Zarza comes to Jacksonville from Argentina. That's everything new happening around athletics, and now it's time for today's featured guest. Malcolm Drumright lettered for Jacksonville State from 2014 to 2018 and is a member of the program's 1,000-point club. He's JSU's second all-time leading Division I scorer with 1,429 points and finished his career as the program's Division I leader in field goals attempted, games played, games started, and minutes played. 
He was named the most valuable player of the 2017 Ohio Valley Conference Basketball Championships, where he led the Gamecocks to their first Division I title and appearance in the NCAA tournament. Today, we're going to revisit JSU's semifinal win over regular season champ Belmont in what is possibly the biggest game in Jacksonville State's Division I history to date. Here is this week's featured guest, Malcolm Drumright. Joining me on the podcast this week is Jacksonville State basketball alum Malcolm Drumright. Malcolm, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Malcolm, we're, we're calling you up to talk about one specific game, a really big game, the semifinals of the 2017 OVC Championships, which you were named the most valuable player. But before we dive into that, I just wanted to uh, check in with you, see how everything's going. I know that you were one of our guys that when I talked to you earlier in the spring, uh, you were playing pro ball in Portugal. They sent you guys home. Uh, you were the first league of our foreign guys to be sent home. So how's everything going? How's your summer going since uh, COVID hit and uh, has there been any talks about next season for you guys? Well, the well, ever since I've been home, the summer's been tough, you know, because I haven't had access to a gym in about three or four months. But I've been trying to run. Um, I have some weights, so I lift weights, dribble, just stuff like that. And uh, I mean, it's it's very difficult when you can't you can't physically do anything with a basketball on a goal. But I mean, I guess you have to find ways to work around it. And um, I think the seasons over there should be good in one or two months. A lot of cases have, have gone down over there. So I'm thinking about one or two months, everything should be fine. And we were talking just a little bit earlier. I know uh, COVID-19 hit home kind of close to you. We were saying that your uh, your brother actually had a case of it and he, he was able to get over it. It was somewhat of a mild case. But, you know, yeah. tell me tell me kind of about the, the journey that he kind of went on and how it affected him. Um, yeah, so my brother, he, he had a little case of it. He's a fireman, so he wanted to keep working. But one, one day he came home, and he was complaining that his um his back was hurting. And then the, the back ache, it, it uh, blossomed into, like, his whole body was hurting. And then he started to get a little a little fever. So he went he went to the doctors. Um, he stayed there for about a day, got it checked out, went home, and just kind of rested. But then he had to get another test. And then they said he had the antibodies for it. So, I'm, so that's when we found out that he actually uh, had it. Because he, for the for the longest, he didn't believe he had it. But I mean, when he had to take the other test, that's when we found out uh, he had it. Well, Malcolm, I'm so glad to hear that, you know, he had a mild case of it. He was able to get over it quickly. I know that, you know, it, it hits home, you know, when someone you know, especially a brother, uh, comes down yeah. with it. And it's, it's gotten to the point to where, you know, it seems like everyone knows someone that's had it and so um, i'm glad to know that he made a speedy recovery and glad that you and your family the rest of you guys are uh safe yeah man it's tough i mean it's people a lot of people don't take it seriously but i mean it's it's a it's a really big serious thing i just don't some people just don't think it's that serious but i mean it's, a lot of people have lost their lives so i don't i don't see why anybody wouldn't want to wear a mask or just like take precautions but but yeah well, Malcolm, glad to know everything, you know, at home is good. Everything personal is good. And so, uh, yeah. you know, getting to uh, the topic of today's discussion, we're going to be talking about what might be the biggest game in Jacksonville State's Division One history. Mike Paris called it that on the air at the time. And I think that, you know, you might be able to argue that the, the win over UT Martin in the championship game was an even bigger moment. But yeah. as far as the semifinal game, 
It's against number one Belmont. Belmont's the team to beat. They're the team that won the regular season. They're the number one seed in the tournament. And then here comes Jacksonville State, who was picked dead last in the preseason. And you end up fighting and getting a number four seed in the tournament. And then Belmont has had that first round bye. This is the first game they play. This is the second game that Jacksonville State plays. So tell me about you and your team after you beat Southeast Missouri, the number five team, in the first round. Now you have to take on this Goliath of a team that has some fantastic players, eventual NBA yeah. players on it. And <laughs> you guys know that, you know, this night in Nashville is what could make or break this tournament. So, yeah, I mean, Belmont is a great team, great coach, uh, great program. So, I mean, going into it, we were, um, we had a lot of confidence, honestly, when they beat us the, the two times in the regular season, we always thought we could have played better. We could have done little things better to, to maybe win. But um, Coach Harp said when they beat us twice, he said, if we see them again, uh, we're going to beat them. And we all had confidence. I mean, a lot of people were shocked that we won. But everybody on our team, we weren't we weren't surprised. But we just, we just knew we could beat them. We could play with anybody in the league. So that was our mindset going in. When the game starts out, Belmont jumps out to the lead first. They go up 2-0. You guys tie it 2-2. Christian Cunningham hits a jumper to tie it up. Another uh, Belmont basket puts them up by two. They score another two. And so you guys keep going back and forth. And it's your three-pointer with about uh, 15 minutes left in the quarter that you guys tie it up 7-7. It's your first basket of the night. And, Malcolm, you were on that night. You only missed four baskets the entire night. Two of them came down the stretch. Did you know that you were on that night? Was it a different feeling when you stepped on the court? Durham looks down low. Can't get it there. He'll come to Cunningham. Outside, Malcolm, the long three. Count it, Drumright. That was a bomb outside for the left wing for Malcolm Drumright. He is 50. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I could, I mean, after the first couple of shots, I could feel it. I mean, when I feel it, I feel like, I mean, a lot of shots go in, but when I'm feeling it, it's like a different feeling. Everything I felt like I, uh, I shot it was going to go in. So it was just confidence in myself. Inbounds pass going to come to Tucker. He'll feed drum right. Step back jumper off the dribble. Got it. He got away from Barnett. Malcolm is two out of two. Oh, that's a good sign. Ties the game for the fourth time. We're even at nine. So you tie the game up 7-7. Seven, seven. A few minutes later, you tie it up 9-9. Nine nine. And then Belmont goes up by five. They hit a little run. They go up 14 to Here nine. Luke ahead with it, but he'll stop. He'll pop a three up and hit it. Will Austin Luke. Luke off the dribble for three. They've scored five straight. He's got five points, and they lead it 14 to nine. And He's so whenever they go up by five points, I know it's still early in the game, 13.45 remaining in the first half, but what were your thoughts whenever they kind of put a decent gap between you and them? Belmont, I mean, Belmont is a good team. So, I mean, I wouldn't say we were rattled when they went up five, but it's it's always in the back of your mind. Like, cause they're, they're a good shooting team, a good team. They run good plays, good sets. So, there's always that feeling in the back of your mind thinking, like, maybe they're going to pull away. But, I mean, we just stayed together, had a confidence, and just weathered the storm, kind of. Just a few minutes later, Greg Tucker hits a three-pointer, pulls it within two. It's 14 to 12 at that point. And then just like you've done the previous two baskets, you hit a jumper, tie it up 14-14 with 12.42 left in the game. 
And, you know, mentioning some of those names, you've got Greg Tucker, you've got Norbertus Giga, Eric Durham. Talk about the teammates that you had that were able to set up some of those bench shots for you. Cunningham getting some help behind the bench, some treatment from the trainer, Nate Seville over there. Jump shot up top, Malcolm ties the game at 14, just inside the three-point line. Malcolm's got seven for Jacksonville State, and he's three out of three from the field. Top of the key. Luke. Well, those are my brothers, man. I love all those guys. Um, G holding down the paint. Tuck uh, just going to get a bucket. Eric being a knockdown shooter. So, I mean, it's always good to have have players you trust and players you believe in to play with you. So, it just made my job easier, honestly. At the free throw line, has got it. He'll hand to Malcolm. Drum right behind the ball screen, going to drive, hesitates. Oh, what a spin in the lane. Shot, got it in the Gamecocks lead. Boy, he worked on Barnett that time. Took him in the lane, spun around, and with a hand in his face, drilled it. Malcolm. Belmont goes up by one, 17-16 at this point with 10.42 left in the first half. At 8.28, again, it's Malcolm Drumright with a jumper. You give Jacksonville State their first lead of the night. It's 18-17 with 8.28 remaining in the first half. Dylan Wendler, who's a Belmont legend, hits a three-pointer to put them up 20-18. to 18. Greg Tucker, a jumper to tie it up 20-20. And then you at 6-16, you hit another jumper that puts you guys up 22-20, to 20, and you never trailed after that. The closest that Belmont got was two points. And so tell me about that basket in particular at 6-16, and what that meant to put you guys out ahead, that basket that put you guys on an 11-0 run that ends up making it 31-20 with 2.30 to go in the first half. Brings it back out to Cunningham. He's out beyond the three-point line. Doesn't want it there. He'll give to Malcolm, set him a ball screen. Drum right, drive it inside, steps back off the dribble and drills another one. Michael Binkert right there with him, and he knocked it down, and it's 22-20. Malcolm's got 11. He's 5 of 5 from the field is drum right. Game Coxley. We always knew we could score. We ran, we ran, we have nice ball movement, uh, nice player movement. But I, honestly, it all just came down to stops, honestly. If we could get stops, we knew we could score, but if we could get stops, we felt like we had a great chance of winning. So, I mean, that's, that's a big bucket to go up 11, you said, but um, it just all honestly just comes down to stops. Got a shoulder into Cunningham, no foul there. Back outside of Barnett. Now to Kevin McLean, who's back in for them. Austin Luke left. It'll go to Brads. Down low, going to spin. Put it up and swat it out of there. Cunningham, his sixth block of the tournament. 351 to go into half. Ray Harper's as fired up as any of the guys are right now. 351 to go first half. Jacksonville State, a 9-0 run for the Gamecocks. Belmont, 0 for their last five, one of their last 10, two of their last 15. They haven't scored in four minutes and 20 seconds. And Jacksonville State leads 27-20. Gamecocks by nine. Timeout. You guys were able to open up the lead 31 to 20 with 2.32 to go. An 11-0 Jacksonville State run. They lead 29-20, 2.45 to play in the half. The four seed right now leading the top seed. They've got Haddon in the game for the first time. And a pass outside by Haddon, stolen by Tucker. He'll bring it down. He'll go to the basket. Laid it up and in. 13 in a row, Jacksonville State. And a game Cox lead by 11, 31-20. 2.25 to play first half. Timeout, Belmont. Oh, yes, this is nice right now. Timeout, Bruins. Jacksonville State in the midst of a 13-0 run. They haven't scored in five minutes and 48 seconds. And then Belmont storms back. They're able to pull it within one point at the half, 31-30. They go on a 10-point run. 
So yeah. there's there's two different things going on right here. It's one that Jacksonville State is going to the locker room with a one point lead, thirty one thirty. But Belmont's right. kind of got the momentum. They've scored ten straight points and right. erased that eleven point deficit. And now they're within striking distance, so one possession game at the half. So going into the locker room, is it being thankful that you're up by one at that point, or is it that we've got to play better and we've got to stop this ten point run that you're feeling? Yeah, I mean, we would honestly like to have kept that 11-point lead, but going into the locker room, it was even if we were up 11, we would still need to be, uh, play better to beat them because they weren't going to go away. So, I mean, they did come back in a hurry, but our focus was just like we need to play better. We need to obviously guard since they came back so quickly. But it was just just, just keep trying to make the right play, uh, keep trying to do the right thing on defense, and then we'll see what the end result is. During that stretch, Christian Cunningham has a big block to keep it 27-20. And then when it gets a little out of Belmont's hand, 31-20, they call a timeout. The half ends. You guys are up by one point, 31-30. Second half begins right out of the gate. Greg Tucker hits a jumper. You're up by three. You're able to go up by six. Uh, Christian Cunningham has a huge tip in at the basket. And then you follow that up with another big three-pointer, that puts Jacksonville State up by nine, forty-two to thirty-three, with about a quarter of the second half ticked off the clock. And so, when you widen this gap back to nine, tell me the confidence that you're feeling Terrific there. Block against the two-time Player of the Year of the league. He'll swing to Tucker, right side, Malcolm, open three, got it. He is six out of six tonight from the field, two out of two at the three-point line. He's got fourteen, and Jacksonville State a nine-point lead here. 14.45 to go, it's 42.33, a 9-0 Jacksonville State run. Belmont over four. I mean, we were, we were hitting a lot of shots that night. So, I mean, when we went up nine, it was kind of like, if we, could, if we could play a little better defense and hold them, we were, we were hitting a lot of shots that night. So we were just thinking, if we play better defense holding them, we have a, a great chance of winning. And we always, coming out of the half, we thought we were going to win, but we just had to stay focused and just keep playing. After you guys are up by that much, Belmont's not going anywhere. They're still this fantastic team that you're going to have to keep in check. They bring yeah. the game down within two points. At the 10-02 mark, Dylan Windler hits another big three-pointer. At this point, you're six for six from the field. You make it seven for seven. You hit a jumper with 9.43 to go in the final half to put you guys up by four. To Jacksonville State's three, and it's a two-point Gamecock lead. 45-43. Drum right drive, stops, pops, hits free throw line. Malcolm's got 16 in this basketball game for Jacksonville State now. 47-43, he is seven of eight from the field. The only shot he's And that was the last time Belmont came within two points of Jacksonville yeah. State. Tucker hits a jumper, Durham hits a big three-pointer. Tucker comes back with another three-pointer. You guys are up by six. Belmont's able to bring it down back to four. Dylan Wendler has a good dunk. And then you step back with two minutes left, two minutes and 17 seconds left, and you hit a big three-pointer that puts Jacksonville State up by seven. Come on, Eric. Got to get rid of it. He'll find Malcolm, who's open. The three ball up. Got it! Knocked it down. Five on the shot clock, and he drained it. And he was good three steps beyond the three-point line. Seven-point Jacksonville State lead. Drum right, eight out of ten from the field tonight. 19 points. Two minutes And so with under three minutes to go, Mike Paris is going to break. He's talking about how 
you don't want to miss these last few minutes. Jacksonville State's up by seven. Was the game over at that point, or is it still too much time left on the clock to get that much confidence? I mean, that two minutes, two minutes down seven, that's a lot of time left. But after hitting that shot, I kind of, I mean, I think we felt it as a team that maybe this, it was going to, like the game was over, but we still need to play. We still needed to play. But at that, it was a big shot. And um, at that moment, we were kind of all hyped, and we just thought that we were going to win the game at that point. Evan Brads hits a jumper, 62-57 the score. Belmont brings it within five with 58 seconds left in the game. And then Dylan Windler again strikes with a dunk, 62-59, Belmont within three. Just a few seconds later, Taylor Barnett takes it down the court for Belmont. He puts up a three-pointer, misses, Durham gets the rebound, and as soon as Durham catches the ball, Windler fouls. Free throw in the air, rolls around and off the iron, no good. They rebound the miss. A tray would tie it up. Brads brings the ball to the offensive end for them. He'll hand to Barnett. He'll turn, put up the three. In and out, no good. Durham tipped to control the rebound. He tapped it outside and got it to Giga, but he was fouled, and I think it was on Windler. That's his third, and it'll send Durham to the line. And so when that three-pointer goes up, this could tie the game at 18 seconds left to go. Are you holding your breath when that ball's in the air? <laughs> yeah, because Taylor, Taylor Barnett's a big-time shooter. So, I mean, we just had to close out and just, I mean, honestly, hope it's like just stay just stay connected to him and just hope he misses because Taylor Barnett, he's a big-time shooter. So, yeah, we were just kind of hoping he missed it. Eric Durham goes to the foul line. He hits the first shot, makes yeah. it a four-point game, misses the second shot, Amanze Ekekeze, who a lot of OVC fans will remember that name, he turns, yeah. he picks up the rebound. He hands it down to Austin Luke on the other end of the court. And with 10 seconds to go, you pick up a steal. It's your only steal of the night. And you get the ball back for Jacksonville State. Evan Brads has to foul you and sends you to the foul line. So this is kind of a two-parter. First, talk about that steal. It's your first of the night. And if it come at any time during the game, that's the time for it. So tell me about that steal and what it meant to be able to knock that ball away, come up with it for Jacksonville State, and Belmont's, at this point, they're having to foul. They're having to send you to the foul line. He'll push it ahead against Malcolm. He'll drive. His pass inside, knocked away. Drum right out of there with it. He's fouled with 8.1 seconds to go. The ball inside. Luke tried to make a pass, deflected by Giga. Drum right with a loose basketball. He gets fouled, and Jacksonville State leads by four with 8.1 seconds to play. Could a huge upset be coming here in Jacksonville State basketball? I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I, I don't even, I don't even remember the steal. <laughs> to, be, to be honest with you, but I mean, I mean, just to get, just to be able to get a stop and get fouled and go to the line, just to uh, kind of space the gap out is, is big. But, but I don't, I don't remember the play or the steal. At this point, you're up by four. It could still be a one-possession game. You know, Belmont could go down and hit a three-pointer, knock down the basket, and get fouled behind the line and still go to the line and shoot that extra foul shot. And so they could come up with four points on one play. But they right. send you to the foul line. And with eight seconds left, you've got two shots. So tell me the intensity of that moment of going to the foul line, knowing that one more basket puts this out of reach, two more baskets – almost seals the deal. I mean, yeah, I mean, going eight seconds left, two free throws, I mean, that's it's a lot of pressure, but, I mean, 
I wouldn't say I was nervous. I would just say I just try to treat it like any other time, even though it wasn't. But just just trying to just not not to not to get uh not to get too wrapped up into the moment. Just kind of just go there, do my normal routine, and just shoot it how I always how I always shoot, and just pray for the best. Honestly. See Martin or Murray State at the line. My drum right drills it. Got the bounce up off the glass and then home. 20 on the night for Malcolm. 64-59. It's a two-possession game. 8.1 seconds. Malcolm's second shot. Good again. Nothing but net. Jacksonville State by six. They throw it the length of you the You do just that. You right. go to the foul line. You shoot both free throws. Make both of them. It's a six-point game. 65-59. Side court. Luke to inbound. Looks, he gets it into Windler. He'll kick it back to Luke. He'll force up a three. No good. Cunningham rebound. And are they going to foul him? They are not. Jacksonville State has done it. Gamecocks have done it. Goliath has gone down here. The Gamecocks have stunned the Bruins of Belmont. The regular season champs at 15-1. and one. We'll see you next year, Belmont, as Gamecocks will be here tomorrow night. Championship game of the OVC tournament, 65-59. Ray Harper and the Gamecocks take care of the OVC regular season champions. Yes. You take down yes, number one yes. Belmont in the semifinals. And so tell me about just the emotions after that game of getting to take down number one. And I know Coach Harper is big on this. You know, you can, yeah. you can celebrate it, but you've still got work to do. And so tell me about the feelings at that point, you know, was it one of those things that you celebrate it and, you know, everything's just out of your mind or while you're celebrating, is it in the back of your mind that we've still got one more to play? Well, I mean, after, right after the game, when the, when the buzzer sounded, we were happy jumping up and down. And then when we got to the locker room, we were happy. But as soon as we left the locker room, it was like the game's over and we got to get prepared for UT Martin because that's another, that's the, what was the, they were the two seed. Mm -hmm. So we had another good team. We had another good team we had to play. So, I mean, I would say right when we left the locker room to go back to the hotel, it was, all right, we won, get over it. Time to, time to play for the championship. The Gamecocks led by Malcolm Drumwright's 21. Greg Tucker with 18, Ray Harper. Boom, boom, he says as he comes over here and says one more to go. Jacksonville State is one game, one win away from their first ever NCAA Division I tournament appearance. 65-59 the final. Stay with us, the Mike Douglas. Do you State think that win over Belmont State is the biggest win in Division I history, or do you rank the UT Martin game higher than that? Hmm, that's a good question. I would Honestly, I'd probably say the Belmont game, honestly, because we, we didn't beat them. Belmont ran, was running the league for years, so... They were the number one seed, and we knocked them off. But, I mean, of course, the championship game is important, but I feel like maybe the Belmont game was a little bigger. You end up scoring 21 total points in that one, four rebounds. You get one assist. Like I mentioned, the steal at the end of the game is your only steal that night. 11 points in the first half, 10 points in the second half. You get named the MVP of the tournament. You guys win the tournament and go on to your first NCAA Division One tournament. Looking back at this Belmont game. Something that surprised me when I started looking at the stats again, something I'd forgotten about was over the course of the entire game, there was only two points scored off the bench for either team, and it came from Nick Smith from Belmont. And so tell me about that starting five that you guys had. You, of course, you at the point, Greg Tucker, yeah. Norbertus Giga, Christian Cunningham, and Eric Durham. And so between yeah. you guys, you pick up 21, Tuck comes in with 18, 11 from G, 
nine from mm-hmm. Cunningham, and Durham has six. And so tell me yep. about that starting five and just how you guys were able to go almost the entire length. Uh, you had Tyreek Edwards, who yeah. logged seven minutes. Andre Stadium right. got in for five, and then Jakara Cross, who was a, a freshman that year, you know, he, yeah. he gets in for three minutes. And so tell me about that starting five and how you guys were able to stay out on the court for that long. Um, to be honest, I, I mean, to be honest, I felt like we had the best, we had the best team and the best starting five in OVC from top to bottom. So, I mean, we had a, a guy in Tuck who's a great defender who can go and get a, go get a basket. We had Eric, who's a knockdown shooter. We had G, who's very versatile. And then we had Christian on defense holding down the paint, and then he would dunk, rim run, just protect the paint. So, I mean... From top to bottom, in our starting to five, I felt like we had one of the best in the OVC. But then you had Tyreek, who was a freshman, came off the bench. He gave us good minutes. Um, you had Ashton, who played a little bit. You had Jakar come and give us good minutes. And you had um, Andre come and give us good minutes. So it wasn't – I want to say it was – I mean, the, the starting five scored most of the points, but we had, a, we had a really good bench who came in and gave us help too. You guys, like I said, you go on to win the championship. You're named the most valuable player of the tournament – it's the first Division I NCAA uh, championship for Jacksonville State. You're the first Gamecock to win MVP of the OVC tournament. And so tell me about just those individual accolades and what it meant to you because you're, you're a guy that you spent two years with James Green your freshman and sophomore years. And yeah. then Coach Harper comes in this year, junior year. And I think it, yeah. it would have been easy. There's a lot of guys that do this to where you get a new coach in. And it's easy to say, all right, well, I'm out. I'm going somewhere else. What was it that yeah. made you stay with Coach Harper? What did he tell you in those early meetings that made you say, you know what, I believe in this guy and I think we can win with him? Yeah. Um, to be, I mean, none of this would have been possible without Coach Green because, I mean, they're the ones that recruited me. Um, and I was, I was probably already going to stay regardless because Jackson, JSC was the only school that gave me a Division One offer. So I felt like I kind of, I kind of owed it to him, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not much of a quitter. So, I just, I thought we could be good regardless of who the coach was. But Coach Harp came in. Um, he's a great coach. He believed in us, and um, he said we can do some big things. And uh, he wasn't lying. But, but I was never gonna think about. I was never thinking about leaving. I was always gonna stay. To kind of wrap up how that season went, we go to Indianapolis. We're in the NCAA tournament first round. We play Louisville. Tell me about what it meant to be on that court. You play at Banker's Life, the home of the Indiana Pacers. You're playing Louisville. Tell me about what it meant to put Jacksonville State on that national stage. And then, you know, from a media standpoint, what was most impressive to me was we got the number one crew on CBS. You had Jim Nance, Grant Hill, Tracy Wolfson, and Bill Rafferty on that broadcast. What did it mean to, you know, have Jim Nance and Grant Hill talking about you and Jacksonville State? Oh man, it, it was a, it was a great feeling. Honestly, there's nothing, there was nothing like playing in the tournament. But I mean, yeah, it was just a, it was surreal. Honestly, because I never thought I'd be playing in March Madness or anything like that. But, but for it to happen, it was it was it's a one of a kind experience. Honestly, so it was just great to it was just great to be there. Your final seasons, the 2017 2018 season, you guys compete in the college basketball Invitational. And that yeah. that was a tournament that went very well. You know, we, we go to Canisius for the first round, pick up a win up there. 
And then second round game is at Conway, Arkansas. We're playing Central Arkansas, and I was talking to uh, one of our football coaches about this who at the time was a football coach at Central Arkansas. You pick up that win on the same court that Scottie Pippen played, you know, his college basketball. And then, yeah. unfortunately, the, the run comes to an end over in Denton, Texas, uh, North Texas. The, the Green end up winning uh, that semifinals matchup, and the Green go on to win the CBI. But tell me about what it was like to take Jacksonville State to back-to-back national tournament appearances. It's the, it's the first time and the only time that Jacksonville State's been in back-to-back national tournaments at the D1 level. Yeah, I mean, it was – it was a great feeling. Obviously, we would have we would have wanted to play in the uh, in the NCAA game, but I mean, it was still a great opportunity to go out and still compete for something. Uh, we ran into a, a good a good North Texas, and they're really good. So hats off to them. But it was just a good feeling to to be able to, to compete in the postseason when not many other teams were going to. So it was a good feeling still. Do you ever think about sort of that legacy that you and that team? left behind you're the first Jacksonville State team to win a division one conference tournament you're the first team Mm -hmm. to go to March Madness do you ever think back on that and you know is it is it almost surreal to think about what you guys did especially after getting picked dead last in the preseason yeah I mean yeah I mean we we obviously didn't think we were one of the worst teams in the OVC but I mean yeah it's a good feeling and yeah I always I, I always think about it honestly from time to time it was a great memory uh, I love those guys. It was a great team. Uh, made great friends. Still talk to them today. So I mean, it was a, it was a great experience, man. I, I really enjoyed it. What did it mean for you to, from the season prior, going eight and thirteen? You only win eight games the entire 2015-16 season to going to 2016-17, and you put up a 20-win season. It's the first time you guys have won 20 games in a season since uh, Michael Plant. And so to be able to put together the first 20-win season in you know, nearly a decade and to go from winning eight games to 20 games, you were, you were one of the teams in the NCAA that year that had the highest losses to wins percentage. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was kind of like when Harp, uh, when Harp, Coach Wade, Coach Richardson, and Coach Morton, when they came in, it was kind of like a, a changing, of the, changing of the guard. Like you could feel that, like you could feel their type of energy and feel like what what they wanted to accomplish. So I mean, it was it was a surreal feeling. But as soon as we got to it, I could see Coach Harper and the staff. They were, I would think they were the the coaches to take us there. So I'm I'm grateful for them, grateful for them coming. And uh, it was just a a good year. I guess one of the last questions I ask you that's a personal accolade is I know you're very yeah. team oriented. You've been you've given all your teammates the credit when it comes to what we've talked about today. What does it mean to have your name among the 1,000-point scorers at Jacksonville State? Because over the years, there's not been a ton of them. Uh, The last guy to score 1,000 points with us was Jason Burnell, and, you know, obviously he did that over his career, including Mm -hmm. Georgia Southern, and so his name's not in the record book for Jacksonville State's 1,000-point scorers, but you were a four-year guy here. You know, every one of your points came in a Jacksonville State uniform. So what does it mean to you to – be a part of that club that hasn't seen someone join it since uh, you and uh, Nick Murphy was the last guy before you in 2010-2011. So to okay. score the 1,000 points to join that club. I mean, it, I mean, it, it feels it feels really good, honestly. I mean, as you said, I don't know how many people in there or people are in the club. I don't think it's a lot of them. So I mean, it's always a, a good feeling to be to be a part of something. And I, I just I owe everything to JSU. Honestly, they're the only 
only school that gave me a chance, really. So I'm, I'm just grateful for everything that's happened. Malcolm, how long has it been since you've been back to a basketball game at Jacksonville State? Ooh, what is it? It's going on three, three years now? It's going on three. <laughs> yeah. When, when can we expect you back at the Pete? Ooh, I, hopefully soon. I would love to come and watch a game. Hopefully soon. But I'm just, I'm just not sure. It's, Hopefully soon, though. I can tell you that's changed a lot. We've got video boards in the uh, in the Pete now, and I I think uh, you know for for you, I, th- I think you'll be kind of jealous about what's here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it always happens like that when you leave a place, just gets gets renovations and everything. But I mean, it's cool though. I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> but I and I think that that's that's all because of the team that you guys put together in 2016-17. Uh, Harper gets here year one goes 20 and 15 wins the tournament goes to march madness and so that that kind of set a precedent and you were a part of that group that elevated jacksonville state basketball and so you know part of that legacy you guys really put jacksonville state basketball back on the map you know when when jacksonville state walks into a gym now whether it's non-conference whether it's an ovc game you know Mm -hmm. jacksonville state's no longer the guaranteed win yeah, the easy win game, yeah. Right. So what does that mean for you and the guys that were part of that team to, you know, your Jacksonville State's no longer the, the punching bag of the OVC. Now it's like, well, yeah. Jacksonville State's going to yeah. come in here and, you know, they, they can play. Yeah. I mean, it feels it honestly feels good to just be a part of something winning, honestly. It just it feels good to be a winner, honestly. So, I mean, it feels good to, to, to help change the culture around, and I just hope we just keep going in the right direction, honestly. Malcolm, for you, postgraduate, uh, just kind of catch us up on what you've been up to since leaving in uh, 2018. You've been playing professional ball uh, this past season. You were in Portugal. Tell me about your professional career and kind of how you were able to make that transition from college to pro and how that went. Okay, so my my first season overseas, I was in uh, Georgia. Um, I didn't particularly like Georgia, but, I mean, it's basketball. So, I mean, I love basketball. I'll go anywhere to play. But, I mean, we ended up winning, winning the championship. So, I mean, that was a big plus. But but just getting acclimated to, to someone else's culture, how people are, it was a little difficult at first. But I'm not much of a uh, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not much of like a party guy or anything mm-hmm. like that. So, it's just basketball for me, honestly. I go there, work out. It was kind of normal, but it's just, it's just different having just a different type of person around you and just being in a different uh, environment, trying different foods, stuff like that. What was the biggest uh, culture shock for you when you first moved to Georgia? Ooh, culture shock! That people during games they can smoke in the they can smoke <laughs> cigarettes. Yeah, they can smoke cigarettes uh, during the game. Like I had teammates smoking cigarettes at halftime, and I was like, "All right, this is a oh, this wow. is a little crazy." Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, this is a little crazy." <laughs> that's that's something you'd see back in a <laughs> NFL locker room from the seventies. <laughs> yeah. And so you, you finish up in Georgia that first year. You guys win the championship, and then you jump on yeah. with Portugal. Tell me about the difference between those two places and what Portugal has been like for you as a second home. Portugal, is, is it's, it's much nicer. I will say the people are a lot friendlier. Uh, you get a lot of nice weather. Just everybody's a little bit more friendly. Georgia is kind of like people are a little standoffish. I guess that's kind of like their nature, but Portugal was cool. I enjoyed it. It's a, it's a beautiful place, and uh a lot of the people are much nicer. Well, Malcolm, I'm really hoping that, you know, everything uh, kind of subsides with 
everything that's going on with the virus. I hope that you can get back to Portugal and continue your professional career. Again, thanks so much for coming on the podcast with me. I know you're busy. You're you're out in California during this time, and I hope that uh, you and your family continue to stay healthy and you can continue to uh, improve and hopefully get back in the gym at some point and get back to playing professionally. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. That'll do it for this week's edition of Behind the Beak. I hope that you and yours are healthy, and I will talk to you again next week. I'll be back Tuesday with a brand new episode and another guest. With that, I'm Tyler Brown saying thank you for listening, and go Gamecocks. This has been Behind the Beak, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Look for new episodes each week or browse the archives on the Apple Podcast app or by visiting jsugamecocksports.com. For more on Jacksonville State Athletics, visit the official website of the Gamecocks, jsugamecocksports.com, and follow JSU on social media by searching at JSU Gamecocks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.